I'm not sure what I would have done differently. I think what I've always tried is to not be afraid of testing things and potentially failing. Always trying to remember what's the worst that can happen and almost putting myself in the worst that can happen and, and live through it and realize that, well, that's not so bad. Cast your mind back to when you were younger. How did you want to change the world? What skills and opportunities do you wish you had to succeed? And now, fast forward to today. Do you believe young people have these skills and opportunities? In Youth We Trust sits down with successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, educators, and others from around the world. We spotlight how individuals and organizations are shaping a better world, directly or indirectly, for the coming generations through their focus on sustainability, equity, education, and more to empower young people to create the future they deserve. And now, in Youth We Trust. Good afternoon, Priya. Uh, Priya, and it's really wonderful to have you on In Youth We Trust podcast. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Lovely to be here. You know, you are someone who really does inspire your the current generation also the, and also the coming generations through the work that you've done and you you know in the past and you continue to do uh, on all kinds of topics that matter to the world here so you know i want to start uh, the show by taking you right back to your younger self if i if i can and you know as you know lumi is about young people you know, solving problems that matter to the world. So if, if, if we go back to your younger self, what is a quest or a Lumi quest that you would have wanted to participate in? I'm a curious person uh, by nature, um, which I kind of channel through taking quite a lot of um, university degrees because I always learn something new and wanted to keep learning. Um, but if I go back to younger me, I wanted to become an architect because I was really interested in design and style and less so maybe in environment when I was young because um, I learned about more in my 20s, um, so back in the 90s. Um, but I think a quest I would want to be part of is how to build sustainable cities. And with sustainable cities, I mean livable cities so from a people point of view how do you create places where people can feel safe breathe engage with um, family friends um, work uh, living but also sustainable from an environmental point of view so that you build circular cities energy efficient cities zero uh, emission transport cities so that kind of holistic like the 15 minute city but like that holistic how do you build and it doesn't need to be a city it could be a smaller town but like how to build things smart because and and maybe even more how to rebuild because if we take europe and us we have a lot already so it's more about rebuilding and remodeling uh, whereas if you take many other parts of the world, uh, they are still building their cities. Um, so yeah, both building, but rebuilding, rethinking. Yeah, how interesting, you know, so, I mean, as an architect, you could have made a huge difference, but you've been architecting things in a different way. And so why is the aspect of building sustainable cities that important to you? Did you see problems even then 
around you or in the world? I think it's more, I mean, of course, much more aware now um, than I was then. I think then coming from Sweden, where nature nature is just such a prevalent part of everyday life, um, I think I've always been conscious of how I've grown up um, also within Sweden, you know, in a, in a house, with a garden, with little forest kept uh, down the road where you could kind of play with friends and build small tree houses. And so nature's always just been part of my life. Um, and, the, and there's, of course, parts of Sweden where it's mainly concrete. Um, and, 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 of course, in other parts of the world where it's it's more than just concrete. It, it, so I think that reflection from from childhood how do you build so that nature can be close um because there's so much you can learn uh, as a child uh, i mean i learned immensely from playing in nature uh with with whatever came from nature and that was part of my toys and part of my tools um so how can you give that to, to more people because i think it's not just the exploration and the development of the brain but also the peace of mind you get from, um, yeah, sitting out, looking at the sky, breathing, um, hearing the leaves move. For me, that's just always been important. And I, I feel like a lot of people don't have that. And I think it impacts our mental health, not having it. It's such a, yeah. I mean, there's so many profound points there. I think the, the fact that you don't always need things you know, Mother Nature has already given them to you. You appreciate them. You also then coexist with it. So because you're getting so much from it, you then therefore give it back, but don't destroy it. And and when you either don't see it at all because you did not destroy it, somebody else did, and uh, and and then um, you don't have it. it. It is an artificial existence. So how to intertwine, right? That that I think that's coming back. I mean, have you seen uh, you know? Now that you look at your passion for architecture, your work in sustainability, have you seen examples of where this is happening nicely? Yeah, I think there's lots of examples. I mean, there's on the environmental side, the whole thing with passive housing. There's lots of communities. Uh, I, I only know of in in UK and Germany and Netherlands, but I'm sure there's in many other places where they are building much more kind of people-friendly, nature-friendly environments, um, both from environmental and, and social sites. I think there's lots of lots of examples of architects and urban planners trying to, and mayors, uh, trying to think differently, um, to definitely. And then also more recently, I think we are realizing because of climate change and all the flooding that we're seeing, and it was just an article now again after the floodings in the US, after one of the storms, that there's no drainage. So we're we're kind of the way we built for the last hundred years is actually augmenting the problems we're facing because there's no way for the water to go. Um so there's there's of course so much more understanding today that building materials that are fantastic in a way from longevity, solid they have unintended consequences um, and we maybe didn't think about them before or they weren't as 
obvious uh, before, but that kind of facts are starting to hit us in the field. Yeah. So staying back in the in 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 you know in the past when you you know in your younger self, if you were a part of that quest, which is about sustainable cities, which incidentally is a quest that Lumi runs, what skill or what experiences that would you bring to that because it's a it's a it's a, it's it's a collaborative effort with other young people so what would they benefit from you yeah my younger self um, i mean if i look at skills or capabilities i think there always needs to be someone who takes the lead, but also someone who kind of listens and tunes in and checks what's going on in the group, take notes. And my younger self, I probably would not have been the one taking the lead. I would have been more listening and noticing what was going on and maybe bringing things up from what's was said or what was not said um, or being the one taking the notes. So. I think I would have brought that and then probably the interest for the environment, depending on you know where the others are. If everyone has the same background, then of course I would bring exactly the same as others. But uh, the intra and, and the interest in the intersection, it's really hard to know what kind of what did I know when I was 10. Um, <laughs> now I would say, you know, the intersection between people and planet. Um, this is something I've been working with for so long, but I think I, I have a genuine deep connection with nature and I have had for, for, for as long as I can remember, but also for people. Like I, I fundamentally believe that you, you get what you give kind of. So if you're, if you're nice, if you smile, you often get smile back. So I think I would bring that. I don't have a huge ego, so I don't think I had that when I was 10 either. Um, so probably could help some to kind of take a step back and really reflect what's the task at hand, what, what are we here for? And it's not about showing off, uh, it's about the outcome, um, the collective outcome, working together as much as it is, you know, finishing on time or building the best city, getting the highest grade. Um, yeah, I think that's what I would bring. That is so interesting, right? Because, uh, I mean, look, uh, ability to listen is one of the greatest strengths that one can actually bring uh, because in in, a, in many situations we find everybody's just talking in fact that's what you also find in the world many times today who's listening and uh, so that's one thing that I'm hearing the other thing is a real connection with nature so that also brings a level of I suppose empathy and understanding um, curiosity and things like that. So there were a lot of things. And but at the same time, you answered my next what was going to be my next question. That if you actually now start to fast forward into today, um, what would you then bring? And you 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 already said that that would be the connection between people and planet. Definitely. I think um, one thing I've learned about myself is that I see connections. I'm not a super detailed person, so I'm not an Excel sheet kind of person. Uh, but have a big, a huge appreciation for those who have that skill set to compliment me. Um, so I'm more of a, a kind of need to see the picture to to kind of 
to see the small details, I kind of need to see how it connects. And I often do see how it connects. Um, and I think I have an ability of zooming out and, and seeing pictures. Um, so I think I would bring that. And then if I do compare myself with my younger self, I would probably be more in the lead in the group uh, now than I was 40 years ago. Um, I, I would be, from having been a manager and a leader for so many years, I would be more comfortable in stepping in, um, taking the lead when needed, but also very comfortable in stepping out uh, when needed. One of my best chairmen of boards where I sit, he now he does it naturally, but it's an acquired skill, but he always speaks last. Uh, so he lets the team come to a conclusion rather than starting saying, I think this, so hopefully you all think like me. Um, and I think I do have, I hope I have that ability. That is so nice to hear. That was a piece of advice that one of my um, team members and former colleagues about nearly 10 years ago gave me. He took me out of a room and he actually said to me, he says, Prashant, just remember one thing. Don't be the smartest guy in the room. Otherwise, people will not come up with the ideas, only you will. And that's a real shame if that happens. It was a big, big moment of learning. Um, so I, I totally understand that you're talking about your chairman right now, or one of them, because you wear so many hats. And so this actually brings me to another point, right? So you, you're talking about the past and the present at the same time. But what advice would you give to your younger self today, you know, in terms of how to acquire those skills quickly? Yeah, I mean, we didn't have AI to the same extent as we do now. So the, the world looks so completely different than Sweden or Europe was so completely different when I when I was young. I'm not sure what I would have done differently. I think what I've always tried is to not be afraid of testing things and potentially failing. Always trying to remember what's the worst that can happen and kind of almost putting myself in the worst that can happen and, and live through it and, and realize that, well, that's not so bad. I, I can I can kind of cope with that and then dare to jump. So I think I I would have told myself that, but I actually think I, I've lived like that, but um, I would have told myself that. That's interesting. So in many ways, you know, you're quite lucky that you you had these skills and you were you were in an environment that gave you the those opportunities and but do you think if you take a world view right the let's zoom out and look at the young people across the world anywhere um, or even in europe or even in sweden where you are do you think young people today have greater opportunities uh, to tackle these problems and to you know to build these skills oh yeah I think they have enormous opportunity. I, I, I think they have they have the world at their hand in a way that, I mean, I had pen pals, like when I was <laughs> 10 to 15, 16, there were these services where companies connected you with a pen pal in, you know, whatever, in Nigeria. And I had one in India and one in Nigeria and one in the US. And, and that's kind of how I got to know that there was a world beyond, of course, TV. But like that's how I got to connect with real human people um, somewhere else. And now you have all, you know, as a mother of two teenagers, um, 
the kind of obsessive social media tools that are around, um, which I feel eats their time. Um, but I can also see, of course, the benefits that the world is at their fingers. Uh, they are connecting with people from all over the world, just like that. Um, and they have skills that I didn't have. I mean, they can make films easily. They can, I mean, they make TikToks every day. Uh, they, they, but also films, they, they're used to speaking English in a way that I wasn't. They're, they're used to kind of meeting and seeing people from all parts of the world. So I think there's, and they learn about, you know, digitalization, even if I do agree with you that they're not learning enough skills that are future-oriented skills in school. I still think, at least in Sweden and in the schools that my kids go to, they do talk about the SDGs and, and sustainability and, and digital and, and, and do... I don't think they realize fully how the world is changing and and and, and maybe that is like a self-protection because it's pretty scary for some. But I definitely think kids have the tools. Then it's more that I think there's like through all times, different kinds of kids. There are the Gretas who kind of learn something and then become activists or they, they, they create a movement. And, and I, I don't think what Greta has achieved would have been as easily achieved 20, 30 years ago uh, because of the, the connections, the platforms that they can use today. Um, but then there's also a lot of kids that they kind of are anxious and worried and they fall more into the depression. Like what what's the point of going to university or learning anything or getting a job because world is doomed, um, both with AI and climate change. And then there's the third that kind of just seem to be happily traveling along and not thinking too much about things until you're kind of perching them and asking them. Then they know, but they kind of pretend it's not there. So I do think there's different categories of kids, but they definitely all have the tools if they want to. This episode is brought to you by Lumi.network. We're on a mission to help the next generation get ready to take on the world. Our AI augmented platform runs quests that help 10 to 25 year olds shape their future by developing AI, entrepreneurship and design thinking skills to solve the most pressing business and social issues. If you or your organization wants to positively impact the next generation, we'd love to talk to you. To learn more, visit lumi.network. Yeah, I think what you're talking, you're, you're pointing the fact is that the society today, the technological advancements are giving them intrinsic skills. Uh, but at the same time, what I'm also hearing is that there is maybe a lack of structure as to how do they, you know, use these skills to tackle the problems they see. They're almost like either they're denying the issues or they are just happily going around living their life and growing up, uh, do you think there is a need for, uh, you know, great, a more proactive effort to start directing young people's energies towards solving these problems? You know, Greta is one inspirational figure, but it's an act of serendipity or an accident. How do you, do you see the need for that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, definitely, because, I mean, now I'm going to answer in two ways, because 
yes, I do believe in the youth and I do think that there's so much ingenuity and creativity and kind of relentless strength uh, in youth at all times uh, that maybe when you grow older, you become a bit more like, oh, th try that, didn't work, uh, limits. So I definitely need that. The, the only thing I kind of react to, and that's been more since Greta came uh, and through meetings and conferences I attended, when I feel like we as grown-ups kind of abdicate to the youth and say, oh, great, the Greta is here and, and, and the youth movement will kind of make politicians aware and, and take action. And, and, I, and I react to that because... You know we are in power right now the kids uh, kids most kids don't even have voting rights yet because they're too young so we are the ceos of big companies or the ministers or the prime ministers presidents or educators professors like we sit on that power and we don't have like 10 years until these kids are in those positions or 15 whatever time it will take for them so like we need to act now uh, I'm, I'm more a believer in how can we work together and, and have youth at the table, um, but we can't abdicate as grown-ups to say the youth will fix it. That's such a good point. You know, I mean, just moving on, therefore, in picking up on that strand, you know, what, uh, you know, how are you uh, through individually or through the organizations that you work with, you know, um, um, creating a better future for these people and, and there are two parts to this question you know one is creating a better future for them but at the same time also empowering these young people I mean this this um, I mean there's so many ways but one is working with younger people um, if I'm taking the corporate lens because I've always been in the corporate sphere um, but um, you know, how do you engage with communities, um, create programs together with four kids or, or teenagers? So, I mean, there's that part. It's the, it's the part of how do you empower, enable young employees so that when you are coming fresh out of university, you don't have to work in the shadows for 10 years and be old enough to then start to sit at the table. So how do you bring them to the table early enough? Um, how do you create forums or, or, or mentorship, reverse mentorship, so that you kind of learn from each other? I'm, I'm mentoring someone who's 30, which is, you know, very old, of course, when you're 14, 15, but, you know, she's 20 years my junior, and I'm learning as much from her as she's from me. So it's that kind of two-way um, learning. Um, so I think there's so many things you can do to kind of bring youth to the table so they can be part of, because it is, at the end of the day, their future more than ours because they're younger. Um, so they should have a say. Um, like we we did at Ikea once, we, it's a small thing, but, you know, we, we, we had soft toys uh, and we had kids designing the soft toys because they're the ones ultimately using it. So how can you bring people to this design stage even? Yeah, that's a very, very good point. I mean, actually, design is such a crucial element of what we try and impart at Lumi as well, um, alongside entrepreneurship and AI. 
And, you know, the, the, the other thing is, you know, I also feel that, you know, everybody should get a chance to build these skills. So, you know, have you seen or done things which bring in greater equity? You know, IKEA is a global, you know, uh, behemoth. Yeah. Yeah. But so are the others that you're involved with. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, th I think, I mean, I think so. One, by just doing programs like Lumi or other similar kind of employee engagement empowerment programs that you don't do them just kind of at the corporate office in Europe, but you do them across all the business everywhere. Um, and that you also reflect on, do you do them out in the branches? Uh, if it's hotels or stores or hospitals, or do you only do them in the office? Because automatically in the office, you're often more senior and older. Um, so I think that being aware of how you build these programs, um, you, can, you can definitely bring about equity and, and make it more available um, to everyone. But of course, I, I mean, I'm so conscious of me having a very northern European, uh, you know, even Swedish look on things because I'm so privileged from even if I'm a woman, which is a maybe not the most privileged uh, gender on the planet. Um, even being a woman, uh, I'm just extremely privileged from just having grown up where I've grown up. So I'm 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 so conscious of that. Um, so the things that I find possible would be, you know, completely insurmountable uh, somewhere else. So I'm very, it's, it's so difficult to say, here's the one solution. Um, I think, again, comes back to listening. What, how do you create change in, you know, in one of the 50 countries in Africa, like, or, or in the, APAC region or South America, um, again, you need to create the solution with people. So it's their solutions rather than coming, telling people the solution. So developing, like what you've done with Lumi, developing methodologies where you can bring people in so they develop the skills to then bring those skills to someone else and you kind of do the train the trainer, I think is more important than kind of coming up with a solution and then flying it in and solving it and then flying out. Yeah, so in a way, giving them a platform. And I think a platform that is also kind of, that democratizes that skill development and also an opportunity to solve these problems. Because through diversity, you bring rich ideas and you then also actually bring in a great amount of learning, right? So you're talking about uh, having grown up in Sweden. Now, what if you had the means which the people today have of collaborating with someone from India, you know, from Africa, from Latin America, from other parts of Europe. So there's such a rich learning that you can gather. And then if that, that can be enabled, that is positive. Now, you know, just if you go into the future a little mm -hmm. bit, I just have, you know, a couple of things uh, because uh, time is of the essence. Uh, AI has come as a big blessing or a curse, depending upon how you look at it. Mm -hmm. What is your view on AI, particularly from a youth angle? You know, how should young people deal with it? And how do we prepare them as corporate citizens for this? 
Very good question. Um, I mean, it, uh, of course, the educational system, because that's where more most kids do go, um, even if we need to complement it with what you're doing with Lumi and, uh, and others. But there is that fundamental, how do you build sk digital skills? Uh, and I don't mean just making films on TikToks, but um, so that's one, how to build the skills through the curriculum. The other one, I, I don't know how much parents talk about AI and, and the world. I just had a conversation with my 18 year old. What kind of jobs will there be in the future? Um, and it's hard to fathom today because most jobs are pretty similar to when I came out of university, even if there's a lot of digital jobs that you know weren't around. But it, it's just such an exponential change that we will see in the next 10 years. Uh, that it's it's difficult for the human brain to kind of grasp what will it really mean for most jobs um, because I think that's where a lot of kids are is one is of course how can I be part of the solution and, and solve the SDGs and kind of contribute but a lot of them are also like what should I study what what kind of jobs will there be so that's such a good point how should I choose my career um, in this kind of uncertain world yeah, I think it's about, uh, you know, one of the things that we, in fact, published a white paper on was let it not be like social media, where, oh, look, I'm, the, I'm a parent of an 18 and a 14-year-old, and I just dropped my daughter off to university last week, and I spent half a day in IKEA doing that. Mm. <laughs> and, you know, of I course. was thinking... <laughs> like most parents. <laughs> like most parents, right? Yeah. And, and I was actually, uh, when I was looking at looking at her and dropping her off, I was thinking about this uh, issue of how do we actually not fall into the trap of now there's AI and we don't know about it like we did not know, at least I did not know about social media as much, right? And then they went about experimenting with it much to their own detriment. So do you think it's a good idea for, 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 for you know, organizations and uh, educational institutions included and companies to allow them to actually constructively engage with it yeah no i i mean i, I don't think there's um i don't think there's like a going back i mean it, it's it's happening um and and i'm reflecting i also have an 18 year old and a 14 year old interestingly enough um and it, and it's just i'm realizing more and more that there's certain things where we just see things differently for because i'm from a different generation and things that they take for granted and and there, you know, my fourteen-year-old is born into iPads. Um, yes, even my eighteen-year-old learned it when she was two, three. But the, the little one has always had it since she was a, a baby. So of course, that's very different from me using pen and paper. That's how I kind of learned in school. So I think the the we need. I think we need to talk about it. I think it's important to 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 kind of reflect on all the good things that comes with social media, but. I was just talking to to one of my kids yesterday who's like they're so tired from school or after school that they just want to kind of go home and go to their phone and I'm like but you realize that that's as bad as we had it when we went home and binged tv uh, in the evening instead of doing something constructive um but they feel like they're resting when they're kind of tiktoking and insta and all the things they're doing and and they're not and, and they're actually not with people they're alone so 
and, and being able to have that conversation. What are the good things you get from it? But it also, there are a lot of drawbacks uh, with, you know, withdrawing from people or not exercising, going out in nature or whatever. Um, so I think it's having that conversation. And then when, when in terms of, you know, regenerative AI and, and, and you know, that the kind of all the next steps of AI that, that's coming, I think we, we will need to regulate it somehow or create principles of how we manage it. And, and of course, the stuff they will deal with when they're in their 50s compared to what you and I have to deal with, it's going to be completely different. So how, how do you really start to reflect on what's right and wrong? Where can it be used? Where is it good use? Where, what's bad use? And, and trying to zoom back and reflect on what's the kind of unintended, potentially bad consequences of all these tools and, and not just, but I find it difficult because I don't want to be a dooms kind of doom and gloom and you see all the negatives because I think there's so much good in it. On the other hand, I, I, I am not, um, but I, I think we also cannot just be a kind of lean all in and all technological advancement and think it will solve everything. So what's the what's the need and what's the role of humans when this new intelligence will will or is already way smarter than we are on, on intelligence, not on emotional intelligence, but on... Yeah, you know. not yet in emotional intelligence. Well, that's one skill we have that the, the robots will probably won't for a long time. But I think, the you know, in kind of closing... It, one of the biggest things I'm taking away from a conversation with you, you know, from the past, present, and the future, is the need for an inter intergenerational collaboration, intergenerational dialogue, right? So that we can share with them, or the, you know, the people who are in positions of power or responsibility, which actually every parent is, yes. they can share with them, but at the same time, give them a platform or give them an opportunity to express themselves to bring their, you know, their innate creativity to the fore, because a lot of the behavior could also be because they, they feel like a sense of helplessness about how things yeah. are progressing. No, definitely. I think that they, they, they use it as a way to zoom out from all the concerns. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 that's exactly how right. How to channel yeah. that concern into something constructive. Um, without them feeling like I'm giving you a task because they don't want the school task. But more like I'm, I'm such a firm believer in, you know, the, the, I do believe we need the, the, the stick and the carrot in, in almost everything. Um, but in terms of innovation and creative thinking, um, the carrot just does get you much further than the stick. Uh, so how to kind of channel that kind of inherent curiosity you have as a child for that not to kind of just die off with age um, and channel that into something that's really useful. I think, yeah, that's what we need to create. Well, you know, so today we've had a chance to talk to you. I know people talk about Greta quite a lot from Sweden, but, you know, there is also Pia, I think, who can be an inspiration for thousands of people, you know, particularly women, but also young boys and young men, I think. I mean, if people follow your footsteps, do what you've done, um, 
I think the world will be a much better place. Pia, thank you so much for sharing this. This is a you know conversation with you could go on for a long time because we could go really deep into the th kinds of things you've done. But thank you for sharing this. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you for really for for having me and uh, for asking really good questions. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you found this conversation valuable, please leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have a story or someone you know does, please recommend them to us by email at hello at We'll see you next time on In Youth We Trust.